get things right. rolling, we right? We'll get going. Ba, 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 Intro ba, music. Wait, that's not it. What? He's no good to me, Dad. Intro music. Intro music. Bounty hunting is a complicated profession. It sure is. It really is. And here we are with, uh, you know, a lot of times Rob and I, we are Bantha Milk Podcast. You've reached us here, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and a lot, of, a lot of times Rob and I have a lot of fun with, uh, with the fact that we're going to have some guests on. But we have got a really exciting person with us today, as you can see <laughs> right on. I don't know where they show up on your screen, but they should be right in the middle if you're checking us out on YouTube, right? Uh, Rob, why don't you talk to about our guests for the day? Yes, I will definitely do that. This is very, very exciting for us because we've had guests on the show before. Uh, but nothing like this guy, okay? <laughs> we had YouTube vloggers on who like Star Wars and talk about Star Wars. We even had an artist on who helped design a futuristic car on TV, and when he was on TV, he was wearing a Star Wars shirt, which is why I contacted him. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> we had a musician on who wrote his own Star Wars-inspired music, but never... Have we had a guest on the show of this caliber? Look at this guy. Right. He's amazing. <laughs> Today, we have someone on the on the show who's been a part of the magic. He's a New York Times best-selling author. Now, I haven't even tried to write a book, and he's been on the New York Times bestsellers list, which is amazing. Uh, he's written over a half dozen Star Wars books, countless comic books, written games about Star Wars, and in his free time, he writes about Star Trek, which his latest book, I can see a poster behind you, sir, is coming out very soon. Uh, some guy named Picard, Jean-Luc, I don't know. I, you know, Star Trek people, Star Wars people, you know, whatever. But anyway, and actually, I do like Picard. He's awesome. Um, so he writes Star Trek books and his own comic, his own science fiction books as well. This guy's so busy. Uh, so it's awesome that you're actually here. Uh, I, I gotta say, my friends won't believe that you're actually here. They're just gonna have to watch. That's They're just gonna have to watch to see it. But here he is, the one and only John Jackson Miller. So welcome to the show. I want to call you John, but since you're famous, I have no, to go by no. all three. Names. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I worked, uh, my first job was uh, for a company called Miller Publishing. And I, it was one of those big family things where there were like 11 different members of the family there. I was not related to any of them. Uh, and so if I wanted my mail, I needed the middle name. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> it was it wasn't like a Hollywood thing. There's already a John Miller. You got to get something. Uh, no, but it, it was convenient because uh, there is a John J. Miller that has written um, uh, you know novels for like Wild Cards and some of those of the franchises. So uh, it was like, okay, yeah, that's not so bad. Um, oh, and every so often, somebody will you know write me and say, are, "Are you the FBI, John Jackson Miller, or, or are you the, or, or rather John Miller?" And you know, of course, there's just so many of us. So uh, anyway, anyway, there you go. We're, we're so very glad to have you on, John. Absolutely, like we're we're just thrilled. Uh, we are uh, a Bantha Milk podcast, a podcast all about Star Wars, and it is really awesome to have someone who has actually added to the canon, added to the lexicon, and added added stuff to the Star Wars, uh, you know, the Star Wars franchise that we all love so much, right? So, yes. Uh, just going to raise our glasses. As is always, we have our Bantha Milk here we on do. Bantha Milk Podcast. I'm drinking just a little in, in, Knob Creek today. In, in honor of uh, Kenobi and Tatooine, I have water. So, uh, <laughs> listen, it takes them ages to farm enough moisture for a glass like that, man. So, so, so there you go. So, thank you very much. There, there we go. go. I got, got the uh, space camper again. 
Uh, I've been drinking this for the last three shows. We've tried to find some beers that were uh, Star Wars space-related. So adjacent, we got Space yeah, Camper. Space adjacent, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so, uh, John, man, again, we're really excited to have you. We've got a lot of questions that, that we would love to ask you. We've got a lot of uh, a couple questions, too, that uh, some of our listeners would love to ask. But uh, first things first, I think it'd just be nice to give yourself like, a nice little introduction. To what, what, what is your, your genre? What is your niche? Yeah. Uh, t- tell us about yourself, John. I, you know, I, uh, I grew up a uh, kid in the 70s. Uh, you know, other people's mothers threw their comics away. My mom was a grade school librarian, so she made me put my comic books in order. So okay. nice. I, nice. I, I still have all the comics that uh, that I ever had. Uh, Great. And, you know, I was uh, I was you know drawing and writing my own comics that uh, I'd be photocopying uh, on the on my dad's uh, photocopier. Uh, you know, in the eighties, there's actually a, a movement. Um, you know, we didn't have we didn't have web comics, uh, but we did have. The small press where people were mailing back and forth, sure, okay. uh, you know, their their comics uh, to each other, a uh, little mini comics. Uh, I was never any good at art, but uh, but you know that was uh, and the way that I connected with other people uh, who were doing that sort of thing was through a newspaper called Comics Buyer's Guide, uh, and that came out every month. Uh, there were one thousand six hundred ninety nine issues of it. Uh, oh, wow. I went to work for them in 93. Um, I, I had gotten a journalism degree uh, and uh, a, another degree in Soviet studies. And I, I decided, well, you know, let me let me just go ahead and, and uh, write about something I care about because uh, that other company was was uh, publishing magazines about lumber. Uh, All right. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, you know, I, I, you know comics, lumber, lumber weekly, lumber today. Yeah, you know, comics, uh, comics, uh, trees. You know, they all you know, lumber. They all come from the yeah, same sure. thing, same family. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I I went to work there about the same time that the comics industry started to collapse in 1993. Uh, but uh, I, I edited a magazine called Comics Retailer. Uh, did work for Comics Buyer's Guide for years. Uh, and along the way, I met folks that were involved in the actual production of comics. Uh, and uh, around about uh, 2000, right at the end of 2002, uh, Marvel reached out to me and said, hey, we're looking for people to actually, you know, we haven't worked with before, to maybe create their own uh, series uh, and, uh, and, you know, run the actual production of the books. Uh, and so, you know, in that case... It would be somebody who you know knew a little bit about publishing at that point. Uh, I, uh, using that whole Soviet studies thing, did a comic, <laughs> did a comic book called Crimson Dynamo, which was about the uh, you know the Russian version of Iron Man. Sure. Okay. Uh, that got me. Uh, let me see if I get this here. Yeah, here we go. Uh, here for the camera. That got there me. It a is. Year, that got me a year on Iron Man himself. Wow. Uh, All right. And I did uh, I I did the I did a year where I made uh, Tony Stark the Secretary of Defense and All right. so you know a variety of, even though that was like 15 16 17 years ago you know a variety of things came out of that uh, you know one of the uh, you know the the reporter in Iron Man one and two uh, uh, you know Christine Everhart she came from our comics uh, also Sonny Birch who was the villain in uh, Ant Man the Wasp. Right. Uh, the guy that was chasing around with the, with the building everywhere. Uh, yeah, he w- he was my villain in that series. Uh, so, and that was kind of cool because they they brought me and uh, and my artist uh, Jorge Lucas from Argentina 
uh, you know, both uh, to the to the uh, premiere. That was really cool. That is really um, cool. And uh, anyway, uh, having done Iron Man, uh, that kind of opened the door to other things. Uh, you know, people wonder how you get to do, you know, this official stuff. You know, sure. the, the difference between fan fiction and licensed fiction is the license. It's right. the you know, the official thing saying, yeah, you can actually sell this. You have permission. Right. Uh, and and so, you know, what what it kind of is, is it's like having a passport. Uh, and once Marvel stamps it, well, then that, you know, tells the people at Star Wars, well, maybe you're not so uh, crazy that you're going to do something terrible to sure. the characters. <laughs> you know, like, you, you don't want your first story idea to be, hey, I get this wonderful idea. Uh, Luke and Leia were just two kids out of triplets. And there's a third <laughs> kid somewhere. Well, you don't want oh, that. Um, well, yeah. they, they want to know that you can actually handle the uh, you know the property and not uh, and not make a mess. Sure. Uh, and so uh, Star Wars, um, I did a single issue of uh, Empire, kind of as a uh, as a warm up uh, or as a you know as a audition, uh, and that led to me getting the offer to do uh, you know a comic series that would be set. Somewhere around the time of the Knights of the Old Republic series, uh, right. uh, the video games. Uh, and uh, I came up with a proposal for a, a storyline that was really not that connected to the video games at all, uh, but uh, was near enough to it that we could sort of draft on it a little bit. Uh, and uh, darned if it didn't go, you know, 50 issues plus once we added other stuff. Um, you know, the big news here this last week. Let me see if I can get this off my shelf without killing myself. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, a, that's a hefty tell. That is a big book. This is, this is just out. This is the Star Wars The Old Republic Omnibus. Okay. Uh, and uh, it is 1,334 pages. Uh, it is everything I ever wrote for the series in beautiful wow. full color. Oh, uh, where, can, wow. where can we get that? Where can we get uh, Well, <laughs> your comic shop uh, has... Uh, it either has that version, if they still have it, uh, or they have the comic shop exclusive version, which looks like this and has the cover from uh, Dustin Weaver, uh, okay. who, who does a lot of work with Marvel these days. Um, but, well, I'm not even going to try to put that back up there with one hand. It's, it's going to ruin my golf swing. Yeah, 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 uh, you don't want to do that. tunnel lifting that bad boy, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it weighs seven and a half pounds. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, you know, it, it's also available. The mass market version does not go on sale until the 20th, uh, from Amazon and bookstores like that. Sure. Um, yeah, if you're going to order it from Amazon, I'd do it quick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, these things are not going to last. And, and then, uh, you know, I've got, I've got a number of copies and various retailers that, uh, I've, I'm working with, they have copies that, you know, we're going to do uh, conventions this summer. We're going to try to have some copies available. Uh, okay. But, but yeah, uh, so I did that for about five years. Overlapping with that, uh, Dark Horse had me work on, uh, I, I wrote the first three, or I co-wrote the first three uh, Mass Effect uh, graphic novels. Um, okay. And, uh, and you know, I did some other stuff just to, uh, in the meantime. I did uh, Simpsons comics, a number of issues. Uh, you know, I did a Conan story. I, uh, I got, uh, you know, around about, uh, 2010, 2009, 2010, I started also doing, um, you know, prose, uh, okay. you know, short, 
first I did short stories for StarWars.com, but then I started doing longer stories. Um, uh, I did a series called Lost Tribe of the Sith, which were short stories that we just, this was so early in the days of eBooks that, you know, we just gave them out for free uh, online. And uh, the number one question everybody asked was, when does the printed version come out? Uh, and so uh, so we decided in 2012 that we would uh, we'd put it all together and put it out there. Uh, that is on its 18th printing right now. So people wow, get, that's awesome. Even though a lot of people got most of it for free, I did write a new novella that's in there. Um, and I ended up also doing a, uh, a, a comic book um, sequel to that. Uh, and I'm not even going to try to get that off the shelf, but uh, that was just reprinted. Uh, the Lost Tribe of the Sith comics I did were just reprinted uh, in uh, the uh, Star Wars Epic Collection Volume 4 uh, from Marvel. Uh, so that that is out for the first time in like seven or eight years. Um, I also did a number of things. I, I did I did a, uh, another uh, series for, for Dark Horse called uh, Knight Errant. Uh, which was set a thousand years before Star Wars, or a thousand and change. And Rob's got a copy of your <laughs> there you go. Right and and with that, I wrote both the novel and the comic simultaneously. Uh, they're okay. different stories, but um, you know the the uh, you know there's there's actually a couple of pages from the comics yeah, in the middle of the it. Book. Yeah, even though those comics are out of print, you can only get them on Marvel.com uh, okay. as a digital thing until the fifth volume of the uh, epic collections come out, uh, which okay. probably is another year and a half. I don't know. Wow. Yeah, I'm not Man. really, I'm not really in charge of that. Uh, but that, <laughs> that gets us through star Wars up until the point where I start writing, you know, novels. Um, right. Yeah. I did the night errant novel. Um, I was, um, you know, asked to do a novel uh, or to propose novels in 2012 uh, and uh, I brought out an idea that I had had for a graphic novel uh, six years earlier that did not come to fruition. Uh, we had actually literally called it the Ben Kenobi Western when we were talking about it to each other. <laughs> uh, and I went through about um, three revisions of the plot or three versions of the plot, and it kept getting longer and longer, and we realized it would never fit in a comic book uh, or a graphic novel. Uh, and so I just shelved it. But when they, you know, proposed, a, you know, me doing a novel, I said, well, how about, how about this Kenobi thing? And that became the Kenobi novel that came out uh, in uh, the early fall of uh, 2013. Um, I did another novel the next year uh, for the Rebels TV series called uh, New Dawn. Uh, that was another interesting thing because I didn't know until we got about two thirds of the way through writing the book that, they were going to use that book to sort of re-establish canon from that moment in the novels, right? And in the comics, um, and uh, you know, we uh, we we didn't do much to change it because I always I already try to write everything like it's uh, you know like any it, like it's anybody's first novel sure. or anybody's first story. Um, and around about that same time, while that book was out, I was talking with the folks at Star Trek. And um, they uh, first had me do a novella uh, for the Star Trek Titan line. Uh, and that led to me getting to write a novel uh, called Takedown. That led to me getting to write a trilogy for the 50th anniversary year called Prey, 
uh, P-R-E-Y, not P-R-A-Y, although we, we joked about it that it was called Pray That It's Going to Be On Time, because I, was, <laughs> I wrote all three novels simultaneously to come out monthly oh during goodness. that year, the, the, that uh, 2016 year. Um, and uh, when the streaming series came back, or, or came on, uh, I was hired to do uh, a novel for, uh, two novels for Discovery, uh, one called Enterprise War, which is where uh, Captain Pike was and the Enterprise and Spock during the Klingon Wars, uh, why they were missing during season one of Discovery. Uh, I also wrote another novel called, um, uh, the. Uh, this was called uh, Die Standing, and this uh, is uh, about Emperor Georgiou, the emperor from the Mirror Universe, during her first mission for the spy group Section 31. Uh, and uh, that novel just won the Scribe Award for Best Tie-In Novel of 2020. So I'm pleased with that, especially because I had already won it for Kenobi six years earlier. So now I have a Star Wars one and a Star Trek one. That's nice, right. very nice. You, you can put one on each shelf at home. There you go. <laughs> and, so, um, and so literally I have, uh, in the space of six weeks, two... Uh, big releases, uh, the literally big release, Star Wars, uh, The Old Republic, uh, Omnibus, that's that's all the Knights of the Old Republic stuff. Uh, and then here on August 17th uh, is my, uh, my first hardcover for Star Trek, uh, Star Trek Picard. It's called Rogue Elements, sure. uh, and it is about... Uh, the uh, the captain of the La Serena, the uh, the the cool you know red and, and white ship that uh, we see in uh, in the series. Uh, he's kind of a freighter pilot, uh, and uh, and that's uh, you know Captain Rios. And we get to tell his origin story more or less, and uh, about his first couple of years uh, with the ship. So uh, that you know it's it's a uh, it's an interesting way to make a living. Uh, it's, yeah. Um, you know, I still do stuff having to do with, you know, the whole comics history, the comic sales figure kind of stuff over on another website I've got called Comicron, uh, which is, you know, monthly sales charts going back to the, uh, uh, you know, distant past. Uh, and again, that's, that's part of, uh, you know, this legacy of having worked for those magazines sure. and not wanting to throw all that work away. So, so aside from being, you know, like, like just a, you know, a, a literary, you know, fount, you know, you're, you're writing for a lot of different stuff, um, but you're a genuine fan of just comics and, and the history oh, yeah. of comics. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I, I kind of wound up with my niche being uh, what we call circulation, the number of copies that exist, okay. uh, the number of copies that are out there. And so, uh, you know, Comicron is the world's largest public database of comic book sales figures. Uh, you can go on right now and find, you know, uh, you know uh, uh, the, the first issues of Knights of the Old Republic. You can see how many copies that Diamond Comic Distributors okay. ship to market. Uh, and, and why is this important? Well, uh, you know, people who are reading the current month stuff, they all, you know, care about the horse race and is Marvel beating DC and how is my favorite series doing sure. or how is this comic book I hate doing, right. you know, silly stuff like that. But the real you know, utility of it is for all the people who are collecting comics to kind of find out, is this stuff really rare? Uh, is this really, uh, you know, it, you know we ha I mentioned the crash that happened in 93. Right. One of the reasons that that happened is because, you know, they had a, there was this big wave of collector mania 
kind of like we have now. But the difference between then and now is, um, you know, back then uh, there were comic books that had, you know, millions of copies in circulation. Uh, you know, one comic book had eight million copies printed or in circulation. And, you know, you had people that were running around you know, buying thousands of copies thinking they were going to retire on this stuff. Right. Because they didn't know the numbers. Right. They didn't, they didn't know that they weren't really rare. Um, it's a bit different today because, you know, you have all these variant covers. And so you actually do have, uh, you know, pockets within, you know, these comics where uh, there really is rarity. There really is scarcity because a book might be limited to 25 copies of a particular version or something like that. That's a different thing. Uh, but, but you know, when, when we had, you know, what was it? Yeah, the X-Men Volume 2, number one, came out in 1991, had 8 million copies in circulation. Uh, you know, and the I think the lowest number for any of them was like 1.6 million <laughs> right. for any of the yeah. variants. Sure. Uh, right. Well, that, you know, these things are not rare. <laughs> They're not rare. No, you're not. No. You're not gonna be able to sell that for a thousand dollars or yeah, or, yeah, or no. more. Yeah. Oh boy. Do, I, I'm asking out of the box here. Does do you think is that similar to what happened with the baseball card craze? Because I know. Well, in in fact, base the baseball uh, market had just collapsed in 89, 90, because one of the things that happens with, with uh, sports cards in the late 80s is, and depending on how old you are, you may, you may, or might, may not remember it, sports cards used to have gum. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. I remember that. They, remember they, used to be, they used to be sold in convenience stores as mm -hmm. change makers. You would have 65 cents or 30 cents or whatever left over from whatever you bought, and you'd say, hey, give me this pack of you know, tops ninety one sure. uh, or whatever for baseball or basketball or base or 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 uh, or, or uh, football, and what happens is the cards. Once you get a lot of manufacturers in there, they start one upping each other. Who can have uh, the shiniest cards? Who can yep. have the mm -hmm. the the uh, who can have the most uh, gimmicks? The you know, foil, holog yeah, holograms and foil yeah. and all of that. And what happens is it breaks the dollar barrier. And once it breaks the buck, um, you got real trouble in that market, and it begins to soften up. And you know, you have all other things that happen, like you know, uh, you know, baseball's on strike there for a while, and and all this other stuff. Uh, but in particular, what happened in the early uh, part of the 1990s is a lot of the a lot of the stores that were selling sports cards had distributors that were also selling comics, okay. and so they were able to flow into comics most of those gimmicks immediately start going into comics as well. That's when we started to get the holographic foil covers of things that again, were not really rare. Uh, but uh, that, that was part of that whole, that whole thing. Um, the company that I worked for that did comics buyer's guide um, it's no longer around, but what, what we, it was called Krause publications. We were the world's largest publisher of hobby magazines. So we had coins Sports cards, toys, uh, old cars, uh, you know, uh, 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 guns. Uh, we had a military vehicles magazine. We had everything, any antiques, everything you would collect, records. And one of the things that we were able to see over all the years is that there were kind of people that would go from field to field, like locusts, <laughs> that would yeah, uh -huh. reappear every so often. So I can tell you... We saw when the sports card people went into comics, 
we saw when the comics people start migrating, they try to migrate into Pogs, and Pogs were those little milk cap things. Oh, I yeah. had Pogs uh -huh. for sure. Well, well, Pogs didn't work, but they, no, they, they did not. <laughs> they, but they, 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 they then migrate into Beanie Babies. Uh, they they migrated into Magic cards, Magic the Gathering. Yeah, sure. Magic the Gathering actually ends up saving a lot of comic shops in 1994 uh, because a lot of comic shops also were game stores. Uh, so so you had that you know as a license to print money there for a while, uh, but yeah they just kind of go around you know, and they go back to action figures and you know by '99 they're into Pokemon cards and uh, they just sort of cycle around and now comics are big again uh, for a bunch of different reasons the sure. pandemic is one of them uh, and, but also the Marvel you know, Studios craze probably helped out. That's that's part of it. Uh, I think a big part of it is uh, you know, there's a friend of mine that runs an app called the Key Collector app, where it basically takes the price guides that I used to write, and it puts on somebody's phone, hey, this is the key issue. You don't have to worry about all these other junky issues that come in between, right. uh, but this is the key issue. And this is called, uh, you know, this is, this is the first appearance of this character or whatever. Right. And, and you know, it, it supercharges things like, you know, when they talk about a new character appearing on a TV show or something like that, well, usually within minutes, you know, eBay, you'll see prices start to spike on every previous appearance of this character or right. that one. Uh, and again, as mentioned, it went crazy during the pandemic. I remember the last show I did, uh, the last convention I did, um, was uh, GalaxyCon Richmond. That was February, last week of February in 2020. Okay. Uh, and I signed uh, a couple of runs of Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, and one of those copies ended up selling, you know, with my signature on it once it was, uh, you know, slabbed. One of those copies ended up selling on eBay for four grand. Oh because, wow! Wow, man! Because because it was because it was exceptionally high graded. Okay. Uh, but but and that makes it you know a hyper rare thing. Right. But also, what happened was the app and and all this other stuff had called attention to the fact that that particular issue was the first appearance or rather the first real origin appearance. The or it had the origin story of Revan in it. I mean. Uh, that Revan and Star Wars fans, I mean, if yeah. you, they're gonna they're gonna buy it, right? That's that's their favorite guy. And so that that dynamic is 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 at work there. Uh, and you know, it it's it remains to be seen whether these books are gonna hold that value or not. Um, you know, a lot of it has to do with uh, you know, we, we, you know, things like the application shine a light on a particular book. Right. But we've also been through this before. Uh, there was a magazine called Wizard in the 1990s. Uh, and it was like a price guide kind of a thing that it called attention to hot books every month. Okay. Uh, and and when it went away, all the things that Wizard used to push uh, dropped in value because it wasn't there anymore. Um, right. You know, it, it wasn't there to, to kind of pump it up. So, so anyway, yeah, I, I wear several different hats. I write the books, but I also write about the business of the books and sure. And I'm just, you know, I, I, I've been involved as a collector as well for such a long time that I kind of see the dynamics that collectors or people who are trying to just get reading copies of books are facing. Right, right, right. 
Well, funny that you mentioned your uh, your comic that you autographed and then somebody sold it on eBay. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do a a giveaway of this book that I'm yes. going to sign because That's I read right. it. <laughs> That's right, Rob. Go. We're gonna find this on eBay for forty dollars, and no one's gonna and take no it. One's, but... no one's gonna bid it bid on it. But you know well, what? This is what's interesting about that book. That is, that is, uh, you know, Knights of the Old Republic. That's not, that, that's, that's Star Wars A New Dawn. A that's New Dawn, right. yeah. And if I have it, yeah, I have it right here. Um, this, this is not heavy. <laughs> it's one of your we, lighter books. <laughs> bef- the, the month before that novel came out, this book came out at, at San Diego. I okay. signed, I, it, it is an advanced reader copy. Okay. We gave away 4,000 copies there that I signed. Okay, uh, and and again, that my golf game was no good after that. My no, Sunday, that's... you can tell them the the copies that I signed on Sunday because you, you can't <laughs> read what I'm. It's a it's a horrible scrawl, but I remember then uh, the copies that we gave out on preview night Wednesday night, and this is seven years ago, were already on eBay for like eighty bucks. That's so funny. That's the ridiculous. next morning, yeah, and we were all looking at each other saying. Okay, there's going to be another four thousand copies of this dumped on the market in the next four days, and the novel's coming out in every store in the world, right? Uh, right. In less than a month, right? I, how long, you know? Is- there's there's a weird thing with with our particular brand of nerd culture because I feel like you know people who are into Star Wars oftentimes overlap with people who are into video games and like yeah. the pre order thing. Like people want to jump on the pre order, and it's like you don't need to do that anymore, guys. Like yeah. just just wait for the game to come out and you'll be able to play with everyone else. But yeah, yeah. we want to, we want to get on that stuff right yeah. away. We don't want to get spoiled anymore. Well, it, it depends on what depends on what it is. I mean, if you didn't pre-order this giant Knights of the Old Republic uh, thing, you might not get. You're it. gonna yeah, it's gonna take sure a yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, I mean, and, and and it's also weird because there's sort of a you know a a you know a curve to it. Um, those hardcovers for the for a new dawn are probably about three hundred hours right now. Wow. Uh, because they went out of print eventually and and nobody gives them away. You don't see them at, um, I guess I should feel good about that, that I don't often see my books at, uh, at half price books. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a dynamic that happens. Uh, you know, people are always, yeah, it's always supply and demand, you know? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, so Rob is going to give it. What are you, the 20th person who comments on YouTube tonight? You're gonna, yes. Yes. You're going to send a copy of that we'll, book. We'll too? send it. We'll send in this copy to them that I read the whole book. It's got some water damage because I was reading it by the pool. You got to sign it on uh, air. Yeah, and I'll sign it on air to that person. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, one of our one of our fans in in YouTube chat right now. He said John's books value four thousand yeah. dollars. Rob's book value four dollars. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. That's- Let's let's I'm, see let's see what printing your book is. Do you can you can you open it up? Sure. Oh, uh, open it up to the page where the uh, the copyright stuff is. Copyright twenty fourteen. Look at the bottom. Well, uh, oh, okay. There, there's a list of numbers there. What's the oh. lowest? What's the lowest number you see? Twelve, eleven, ten. Ten. Okay, you got a tenth printing. Ten okay, the tenth printing. Print. Okay. So, oh, yeah. so, so how that's many printings uh, did this book have? It was uh, April twenty fifteen. This yeah, well, is. April 2015 is when the first edition of that one came out. Okay, uh, so this yeah, is the tenth edition of it. Okay, yeah, that's a that's a little secret about uh, about books is uh, you uh, you look in the uh, any kind of book you look at. I don't know if you can actually see that on camera. Uh, yeah, there's a little row of numbers. Yeah, the, low, the lowest number is the number of the printing. 
and it right. doesn't. And they've been doing that for like a hundred years. So, nice. so if you find a book from the '30s, you can still like go to well, that. When, when, well, whenever, the whenever they started it, yeah. Uh, right. But, but literally, what they would do uh, is uh, when they when they were going to press again with the next version of it, they would take the negative and they would tape over the lowest number. So that way, they wouldn't have to re reshoot the negative. Oh, and, okay. And and that's that's uh, that's just a little you know mechanical trivia thing, but uh, I do cool. that. I do that. Very cool. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you. Now, well, we, a little knowledge there. That's uh, just book knowledge, which is very yeah, exciting. We've we've gotten a lot of information so far about a lot of the stuff you've done, John. It it, it just seems like you're 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 pretty uh you're pretty out there. You you put your your work out there, and and people are reading it. We dig it. We've definitely got some questions for you about that work uh because it's it, we're really excited we've gotten a chance to read some of it uh rob has been diligent reading away at some of your your books i've been checking out some of your comics uh rob what, what do you got for so generic question to start with uh what is your process like for writing the books because after i read a new dawn there's so much detail and things like that in there that i know you didn't just sit down and just oh, start yeah. typing away oh yeah so, well on, on New Dawn in particular, that was the first book that I did with the Lucasfilm Story Group, where, you know, they have this sort of group of people at Lucasfilm that, you know, have access information about what's in the movies, what's in the TV shows, what's what's all coming out. Like keepers of the canon almost. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, and so on that novel in particular, uh, I, I got input from uh, Dave Filoni and uh, Simon Kinberg and... Greg Weissman and you know they were the executive producers of Rebels, right. uh, and so you know they gave me an idea going into that book what I could kind of write about and what I couldn't write about, and they gave me some guidance. Um, and and then you know I what happens is you go off and you write a plot. This is whether it's a comic book or a novel. You go off and you write a plot. The, the, it goes back to your editors. Uh, when your editors approve it, it goes off to the licensor. When the licensor says that's cool then you can start going to script or manuscript in the case of a novel. And then the process starts again uh, because it has to be approved by, you know, your, your publisher and then the people that your publisher are buying a license from. Uh, so, uh, and how involved they are really changes based on, you know, what else is going on. So for example, uh, the Rebels novel, uh, New Dawn, that was a big deal. Um, sure. you know, I, and, and so, you know, there was a lot of stuff I could collide with if I wasn't careful. Right. Um, yeah. you know, my, my stuff with, uh, with, uh, Simon and Schuster, um, uh, the, the Picard novel, my discovery novels, uh, on both of those, I have worked with, uh, Kirsten Beyer, uh, who is a, a former novelist with a line, but actually, you know, now she's in the writer's room for all the streaming series for Star Trek. So uh, she's one of the co-creators of Picard, the series. Uh, she, she's working on various other stuff. And so, you know, when we did these other books, uh, you know, these Star Trek books, you know, we discussed at the beginning which way I could go, what I could write about and not collide with things. But then, you know, in, in the case of those three novels, the plots were almost entirely mine. Uh, okay. You know, I, I didn't, I, once I knew where I could roam, uh, I was able to, you know, put that story in there. And then you get things like, um, well, I did a, a graphic novel or actually a comic series for the 40th anniversary of Battlestar Galactica a couple of years ago. And so this was the original series back in 1978. 
Uh, and on that, uh, the folks at Universal, uh, you know, I had contact with uh, with them, you know, maybe once in terms of, you know, what they might like to see. Uh, but other than that, um, you know, there's no, you know, reboot of that series from 1978 that was in the works that I was going to run into. Right. Uh, and so I pretty much had to, you know, I, I was using my own judgment in terms of, of you know, I, I just can't do anything to kill any characters or anything right. like that. Right. <laughs> uh, but, but you know, it, it was not, there, there was not any, uh, you know, there, there was not anything where uh, I was told, no, you can't do this or anything like that. Sure. Very cool. Very, uh, very cool. So, so, you know, you wrote, it seems like you started writing for Star Wars in an interesting time because, you know, the Knights of the Old Republic series kind of butted up into the Disney buy and the kind of canon reset. So how much how much did that canon reset affect your your uh, I guess what you were putting well, out? Well, obviously me more than most people because again that I had the New Dawn book. Right. Uh, well, I mean, what happens is by the time um, the Disney sale is is coming into being, which is I think it's I think it's like Halloween uh, 2012. Right. Um, I had already more or less wrapped up at Dark Horse for okay, Star Wars the Republic, sure. because I had done uh, yeah, Knights of the Old Republic. We we had done the big series, and then for a while they were doing mini series. Uh, so Night Errant was three mini series with five months in between each one. I, and I, so I'd done Night Errant. I'd done Lost Tribe of the Sith. I had done in 2012. I had 15 comics out because I had. I had an, I, I, a Knights of the Old Republic miniseries. I had a Night Eric miniseries, and I had Lost Tribe of the Sith. And I could just kind of tell at that point, yeah, I've had my turn. <laughs> yeah, <sure. laughs> you know, and, and and I was beginning to look at other stuff, you know, myself as well. So, um, you know, I was already by that point beginning to look more at, you know, going in the novel direction, uh, and also looking at other franchises like Star Trek and other things. Uh, uh, you know, when that is happening. And uh, the Kenobi novel ends up being on the earlier side of this changeover. So, um, you know, Kenobi is actually the first of the books that when it gets reprinted, it's got the Legends logo on top. Okay. Um, you know, it's it's so early, in fact, that I have somewhere you know, a JPEG that was going to be the cover of the of the paperback if it didn't have the Legends logo. Okay. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, and so, so that, you know, that transition happens uh, and, you know, people are, you know, wondering about it and everything. And it, it really just comes down to one very simple thing. Um, they could not, you know, when they're going to have J.J. Abrams make a, you know, a, a, a billion dollar movie, uh, they could not give him constraints where, uh, you know, he has to tell the audience that, uh, oh, by the way, uh, before the movie starts, uh, two of Han and Leia's kids are dead and one of them killed the other one. Uh, where are you going to put that? You got to put that in the opening crawl. Uh, yeah. you, know, you know, that's, I'm sorry. Uh, well, that's almost like what they did in, uh, Rise of, what, uh, uh, Sidious is back, right? That's well, what people kind of complained it's, about. It's a little bit of that. But it, well, but, but I mean, it's, 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 it's sort of like, um, you know, the, I guess the sort of equivalent is there's a character that appears at the end of Solo and the only right. way, and you know who that character is and you know why that character's alive 
if you've watched the cartoons. Sure, sure. But if you haven't, right. you're, uh, you know, what? Oh, yeah, there uh, were plenty of people who left that movie look like, wait, Well, what? but I mean, at least that's, that's sort of more defensible because um, the movies are seen by people in the hundreds of millions. Right. Uh, the, the TV shows are seen by people... Uh, in the millions and the tens of millions. Right. Uh, you know, the novels, uh, you know, if it's it's been a long time since the novels got into a million. Right. Uh, you know, and comics are even less. Sure. Uh, so it's, it, it in terms of what you can expect people to have known about, uh, you know, what, what needs to happen is, you know, the tie-in universe needs to sort of be a support. This stuff existed to begin with, as a means of keeping people interested and buying stuff for whatever franchise it was, right. whether it was Planet of the Apes or you know the Lone Ranger going all the way back. Sure. Uh, the, the idea was to give people something to have and, and read when the show wasn't on, when the movie wasn't on. Right. Um, you know, Star Wars does not make it onto cable TV until 1982. Right. Uh, right. You know, it's it's uh, it, there's a long time there where you can't see the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that was uh, that was a, that was something that made more sense then. Now, what's happened in the last couple of dozen years, you know, really, you know, we had the expanded universe starting there um, in the early 90s. Right. But it doesn't really kind of hypercharge uh, until you've got uh, Shadows of the Empire right. uh, in 97, I think, or something, or 96. Uh, where, you know, we're going to pretend there's a movie. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and yep, we're going to sure. do a multimedia thing surrounding it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and again, that kind of was, that showed, you know, you know proof of concept, what, what could be done if you got everybody at the same table working together. Right. And, you know, now what's happened is with, with the story group in Star Wars uh, and also with what we're doing in Star Trek, uh, and uh, they were doing the same thing with Mass Effect as well. Uh, things are feeding both directions. Um, you know, characters and concepts are able to feed back into the movies, back into the TV shows, back into the games. Um, you know, there are two of two of the three graphic novels I did for Mass Effect. Uh, there are DLC sequels to. Okay. And uh, you know, in one of them, you can you can kill the character I created, <laughs> or not, <laughs> or not, depending on what mood you're in. Um, sure. It's a choice. Uh, but but and yeah, I mean, I'd make. <laughs> but it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a uh, you know it's it's a new dynamic, and uh, you know I think the fans like it. Um, sure. It can get a little out of control uh, if you you are not coordinating it well. Right, uh, right. And and so, you know, Star Wars is a franchise that has always had really good uh, uh you know, stewardship. Uh right. you know, in terms of them managing uh this uh this uh this sort of uh, this property, the sandbox. Uh and then they look to work with people uh who are in my line. Um and and you know, pretty much everybody is looking to work with people uh that you know, are able to use the characters and concepts, you know, in a way that helps the brand, expands the brand, uh, and doesn't make trouble for other authors, other writers down sure. the line by closing off avenues of storytelling or, you know, leaving big things there like, uh, you know, that, that are, that are, are going to cause a problem 
later on that have to be erased or have sure, to be undone. Sure. Um, yeah, and, retconning. Right? You, you want, well, they probably want to avoid that, right? Uh, yeah, although I, I have to say um, in 2021, it's less of a deal than it's ever been. Yeah. Um, we have a world that now understands that there are a lot of Spider-Men. That there sure. are, that, <laughs> That's true. That, You're right. That there are a lot of Lokis. Yeah. Um, I noticed when, you know, when we announced the Legends changeover in 2014, um, there was obviously a, a, some outcry with it. Sure. It didn't come from the comics fans. The comics yeah. fans were like, reboot. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> right. <laughs> Crisis on Infinite Earths, zero hour. We've been through this. We understand this. Right. Um, we, you know, we are accustomed to the fact that, you know, uh, not Peter everything Parker, is Bible. Peter Parker <laughs> hasn't aged in 50 years. I mean, you know, we, we can we can kind of the only thing that matters is what order to read the stories in. Sure. But, right. you know, actually jamming it into a timeline is not as important and making everything fit with everything else is not as important I remember I said at the time, you know, look, I've got tens of thousands of comic books. Maybe 10% of them are in current continuity uh, and probably even less than that now. Uh, and, and you know, most of my favorite Batman stories were never in continuity to begin with. Right. So, uh, you know, they were, you know, Dark Knight or, uh, you know, Gotham by Gaslight. These are all Elseworld stories or stories that weren't part of the, the thing. And people are now kind of understanding yeah, you know, it's it's these things can draw upon each other. Um, the whole legends phrase, the idea with it is that some legends can be true, sure. some legends can be partially true, some legends can be completely false, but they can pick and choose what they want from it. Um, you know, I, I I remember at the time I was I was looking at what they might be able to do because you know they didn't have Star Wars didn't have time travel, so. Obviously, over in Star Trek, you could actually have, uh, you know, the the um, you could actually have the Kelvin universe for the, right. the for the movies, and you know, actually, you know, right now, following the Picard novel, uh, three of my uh, my colleagues are doing a trilogy called Coda, which deals with the Star Trek novels that follow after the last movie, Nemesis, uh, but have been somewhat retconned by Picard, okay, which okay. takes place afterward. Sure. Well, they're dealing with that, and I I have no idea how they're dealing with it, <laughs> but I know it's easier to deal with it in Star Trek. Right. Because, right. Sure, because there's because there we've we've shown that there are alternate realities and various other things like that. Um, you know, I, I think that I think that really uh the way that the Marvel universe kind of does it, um, and actually the the what I like is James Bond. Um, yeah, sure. The Bond movies are just sort of like you know, it all may have happened. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> not gonna, not gonna if, if it works, hand. if it's convenient for our plot. Yeah, well, we're, we, it all may have happened. We're not going to hold your hand here. Right. Um, but uh, you know, it's it's uh, you know, Skyfall. You've got you've got the Aston Martin DB5 showing up. Uh, the 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 car, and you're looking at that and you're saying, well, does this mean? That uh, that Daniel Craig met Goldfinger, and it's like, 
Well, it'd be cool if he did. Yeah. <laughs> but we're not gonna. We're not gonna. We're not maybe gonna, he did. Maybe he didn't. We didn't. You know, see maybe that he did. Day. Maybe he didn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's all you need. Because yeah. honest to God, we all have our own head cannons anyway. Sure. Yeah. We all yeah. we all make our own sense out of things. We all have things which don't count. Nothing after aliens counts in my world. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> you know, we go directly from the middle of Rocky Four to Rocky Rocky Balboa in my world. Yeah, skipping uh, Rocky Rocky Five was a, was not not there at all. I agree. Yeah, with you on that and, one. Uh, it's it, everybody's got their own thing. Yeah, and so um, you know, and you know, Battlestar Galactica counts. Battlestar Galactica 1980 does not. Uh, <laughs> which again, you had to have been there to know what that was, but right. Uh, Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, I, I I love the old Battlestar Galactica with the uh, the silver Cylons with the, oh yeah, oh the, yeah, the eyes going back and forth. So yeah, I'm with you. Well, what you. what they did is um, after the series was canceled, they decided that they wanted to try and put it back on the air, costing as little money as possible. Ugh. So they did a, they did a show that lasted only half a season called Galactica 1980, where they pretend that they find the Earth. And so okay. the guys are driving around Earth on flying motorcycles, uh, and and you know every so often you get a clip of space or uh, or something or spaceships uh, uh, that's clearly cobbled from the original series. Well, yeah, yeah, that they pulled away. Like, yeah, I mean we, we it's it's sort of it's sort of like the the you know the amortization uh, series. It's it's their way of actually. Uh, you know, making their money back from uh, some of the other stuff. So right. yeah, we, we don't we don't consider that real. No, no, not at all. Um, I I do have a, a question. I just want to hop in because you had mentioned the the old Republic, uh, and I know you you have this great line uh, of uh, Knights of the Republic comics. Knights of the Republic holds a pretty special place, I think, in a lot of Star Wars fans' hearts. Uh, you know, just just the whole story behind the video game is you know that that crazy twist that everyone loves, and Revan is just one of those characters that. You know, I think yep. most of, of the really hardcore fans have been waiting to see more in action. Um, can you tell us about how you began writing this particular comic series and, like, how involved was was Bioware and Lucasfilm regarding um, how you approached the Old Republic series? Uh, Bioware was not really involved at all. Okay. Um, what happened is I actually, I was given free reign to put it anywhere, anywhere in the, like, 50, year, 50 years on either side of it. Um, sure. The Knights of the Old Republic name actually did not come from Bioware. It came from Dark Horse. Okay. They did, they did a miniseries called Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic that had nothing to do with any of this. Um, okay. It was set like in 4000. It was one of the Tales of the Jedi uh, subtitles at some point. Um, and, and so, you know, they kind of felt that we, you know, Dark Horse could do what they, they wanted. Uh, what I did is I came up with a, a, a the story of Zane Carrick, the, uh, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the kid that is, uh, accused of a crime he didn't commit. Right. Uh, and I came up with that story entirely. And then I figured out when it went. I said, let's put it like seven years before the video game so that, um, you know, I can I can set it on the same planet that you start on, Terrace. Terrace, right. Uh, and so I'll start my series there too, and then we'll go off. Sure. Uh, but, but basically... Um, one of the elements in the uh, the series is that Zane's masters have this vision that something terrible is going to happen in the future. And what I felt about that is that I could kind of play with that. We had just gotten through with the um, the prequel trilogy, 
Right. And the problem with the prequels is simply that you knew what was going to happen. You just didn't know how it was going to happen. Sure. Right. Well, uh, I wanted to play with that in Knights of the Old Republic by having our our Jedi mystics, our seers here, you know, not be absolutely sure what was going to happen. Right. Uh, and uh, we have the readers who have played the game going, oh, well, this is probably this, 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 and this. Well, they turn out to be wrong just <laughs> as often as our Jedi Masters do. Okay. Uh, sure. because, because they're not reading the tea leaves right. They're right. not they're not catching the clues correctly. Uh, and this is the sort of the uncertainty that I wanted to be in there. Uh, so uh, you know, yes, readers who pick up the series know that Revan and Malik are gonna fall to the dark side eventually. And Malik, we actually introduce as a character, and we kind of show, you know, some moments of his decline. Sure. Uh, but but we don't show it all. Right. And and it's not what the series is about. Uh, it it's about the kid, and he sort of force gumps his way through all these big moments. He is present for the Forrest. first. Did you say he forest gumps his? Yeah. Guy? Yes. Yeah. 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 No, he is literally there for the opening <laughs> shots of the Mandalorian Wars. That's excellent. Uh, you know, he is he 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 meets. The uh, the cycle gangs uh, 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 in the lower city of Terrace right. as the Mandalorians are invading, sure, uh, and becomes a part of their you know their freedom <laughs> fighting. Um, you know all this stuff sort of happens, and he's he's never the center of what's going on, uh, although sometimes he's a catalyst. Right. Sometimes if it you know, and so yeah, this is I I didn't want to have uh you know they use the phrase uh, you know Mary Sue or Mary Stu Harry Stu or whatever for right you know for writing a character making this character the most important person in whatever right uh, I didn't want to do that um but we get to see a lot of these things uh, through his eyes and um you know it, we we go to a lot of familiar places and. You know, Lucasfilm, uh, you know, they were, they by not setting it right up, butting against something else, there really wasn't much of a problem with Lucasfilm. I mean, I I, I knew that uh, we wanted to not show um, what Revan looked like uh, right. because, you know, it's, that's, people, that's who, play, play, people yeah. who play the game understand why. Sure. Uh, we never use a pronoun with Revan. Right, uh, and I got to go through all that again with Shepard and the Mass Effect comics. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, we don't show Shepard either, uh, and and Shepard uh, in both cases, you know, you know, the, the player, you know, can make decisions that affect things. Right. Um, yeah. The uh, but you know we so I knew not to go near that. Uh, I also kind of knew that I didn't want to tell too much about Revan. Uh, because, you know, it wasn't clear yet whether there would be a Coder 3. Right. Uh, it wasn't clear yet whether they would do an online game instead. Sure. We And that's what they did, right. uh, the Old Republic. Um, and I also kind of knew, you know, that wasn't really my character. Uh, so, uh, and indeed, Drew Karpishan comes along, and he writes a Revan novel right. uh, not too many years later. So, uh, you know, I just try to keep... My story in a footprint where it's not going to collide with a lot of other stuff, right. that usually solves most problems. Sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, talking about 
like going back to a new dawn um i just finished reading it so it's like fresh on my mind i did read kenobi when it first came out mm -hmm. and i love that i have questions about that later on but i want to get through <laughs> some of these uh new dawn questions to you no, first. i'll try i'll try and answer faster than i have <laughs> that's okay you do hey, whatever you got it's, it's, just fabulous, it's your time man. we're just you know? so happy to hear yeah have you here and yeah. it's just great to have you man yeah so uh with in a new dawn it was forwarded by some guy named dave filoni i've heard of him now yeah. We've tried to have this. This guy's tried. He's begged us numerous times to be yeah. on our podcast. <laughs> we always run out of time. We never get to him. Uh, even the last show, like we had somebody at the Philadelphia airport picking him up. But, you know, the show ran out before he got here. It was really strange, whatever. So with him writing that forward for you, did how much did you and he... Did you get actually sit down before a new uh, dawn? Or? Well, like, like I said, we, uh, you know, with the Lucasfilm Story Group also... Uh, he and the other two producers, uh, you know, they they wrote uh, notes on the plot that I was working on, uh, and so I got that. I did do a conference call with uh, with Dave and uh, the rest of the story group at the beginning. Okay. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it was, and I got I got kind of the story bible and and what was going to happen in the first season, okay. uh, and what I what I you know some of the things that you could see. Um, well, first of all, the novel comes out a month before the TV show comes out. Uh, that was originally not the plan, but the TV show got delayed. Okay. Um, oh, okay. Uh, but so there's there's about a month there that we have as lead time. Um, but you'll notice some things like uh, we find out a lot about Kanan's background, but not very much about Hera. Right. Uh, that was their intention uh, okay. because because Hera was going to have her backstory mostly be a mystery for the show right. okay and so it wasn't my story to tell okay and so um my challenge is to convey that without having it be obvious that i can't tell you something my right. challenge is also to create other characters uh you know uh, like uh like ray sloan the the uh the imperial captain there uh, -huh. uh or or count viddy and the villain that will get people interested and give them enough other things to read about that they won't notice that, oh, yeah, I can't actually share a lot of the information that they're probably looking for. Right. Yeah, it was really cool because, you know, her was like this mystery person during the whole time. Yeah. And uh, and so you you see Kanan's backstory a little bit. You hear a little bit about his backstory, which I thought was really cool because after I picked up the book, I did read that it did come out a month before yeah. Rebels came out. And I loved Rebels. I watched the whole series. So I was like, oh, my gosh, if I would have read this book first, I would have a little bit more backstory and knowledge on Kanan than, um, than I did than the average person who just watched uh, the series. Um, so that was, that was really, really cool. There was uh, one thing about that now. I don't know if you're watching The Bad Batch or not. Yeah, I was going to say, are you are you keeping up on The Bad Batch? Because I'm doing my best to get through what I can get through. I mean, I'm right. I'm 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 I'm, I'm, I'm catching. I, I'm I'm uh, you know I'm I'm up on the I'm up on the MCU shows because I I sure, enjoy sure. watching them. Uh, so you, you're up on Loki. You've been you've been catching. Yeah, I'm Loki. Loki. I you know and and things like you know when I'm working on Star Trek, obviously I need to have watched all the cards, sure. yeah, all the, sure. all the whatever it is that's out. So you know, I uh, a lot of stuff I'm saving, uh, but then you know because I, I I even though I write full time now and have for about 14 years, uh, I do a lot of my writing in the evenings, okay. and so. 
you know, it, people ask me, well, people ask me about the, you know, the Battlestar Galactica 2003 series. And I'm like, haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I watched the pilot, you know, I just, I, okay. I, 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 this is what my seventies are for, you know, it is interesting because we are getting in, in the bad, not to spoil anything, not that I'm going yeah, yeah. to, but uh, there, there is just the smallest bit of development, like very little, but the smallest bit of developments in the early life of Canaan and Hera. Yeah. So, so it yeah. is interesting, an interesting tie-in to yes. uh, this, this whole so the, here. The first episode of The Bad Batch, they do show Canaan when his uh, Jedi Master gets killed when Order During 66 Order 60 goes 60. down. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So then I was reading your book, and I'm like, oh, is this the same thing as what was in your book? And, you know, the, all the names are the same, so I was very intrigued, you know, and you went into it already about how, you, you know, you talked to all of them about people and all that good stuff. But in this latest episode, they mm -hmm. did a backstory on Hera. Mm -hmm. And in the backstory, she has, as a young child, uh, Chopper is with her as a young child. But in your book, A New Dawn, we don't see Chopper at all. So, he's on the ship. Yes. <laughs> yes, he's on the show. Oh, he's on the ship. Okay, so he's just hanging out on the ship the whole time. The there you go. <laughs> yeah, he, was, he wasn't mine to use. There okay. That's, right. fine. That's fair. Uh, I didn't know if you called Dave up and was like, Dave, dude, you're killing me. No, you, uh... no I mean, I had plenty. <laughs> Believe me, I had plenty. So we, we have, we have a, a Facebook group called Sacred Jedi Texts um, that is, you know, it's just kind of a, a landing spot for some of our fans to talk about Star Wars, share Star Wars memes and stuff. We had a buddy, Alan, ask, and you you answered a little bit this earlier, uh, I guess, because he, he, he wanted to know how you started writing for Lucasfilm because he wanted to know yeah. if you were approached or if you bugged the hell out of them for the job. So I guess... Uh, uh, like I, you said, it's I, sort of like that passport, right? Well, I, I yeah, I, I knew I knew people at Dark Horse Comics, right? And so, yeah, that's that's how that happened. And then you come to their attention, and it goes from there. Very cool. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, my last question about a new dawn, and this could be for any book, really. Uh, I the way, especially writing like Star Wars books, knowing what happens in the future and things like that beyond the time frame of the book that you're writing. You had a great line in a new dawn where uh, somebody wrote, somebody said, Oh, I just want to go on vacation to Alderaan. <laughs> and it just made me laugh because I was like, Oh, if you only knew what's oh, going to happen. No, I know you knew that, but I'm just no, saying, no, like, no, 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 I said I do that. Uh, <laughs> I, it's, it's an easy laugh. Yeah, it's just the winks of Star Wars fans. Yeah, exactly. Like, I know you're you're on the same page with us. So that yeah. was that was really cool that that you throw those little those little uh, jokes in there like that. Those little winks to the fans. I did like that a lot. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, we did have a question from uh, a person on Instagram, Major Jip. He asked, "How do you keep your characters consistent when there's several different authors writing them?" So, like with Kenobi, yeah. for example, how did you keep it's sounding like George Lucas's Kenobi as well as your own version of that. Well, in that case, I actually had read every everything continuity wise that had, you know, that had uh, applied to Obi Wan's time on Tatooine. It's about his first month on Tatooine, and right. so I read everything. You know, uh, even you know the Scholastic had a had a book the uh, uh, the life and uh, the life and times of Obi Wan Kenobi, and I read that and I figured out. Here's where my story fits in between this sentence and this sentence. Okay. Uh, so, so I had all that where you know at least the events were consistent. Uh, and as far as the voice, um, you know, I mean, I was like, 
you know, this is going to be Ellen McGregor's voice as it begins to start to slowly change into Obi-Wan, uh, into Alec Guinness, you know? Okay. So uh, it's, uh, it, and, and you know, you kind of know. I mean, you know, if you, the, the, the hard ones to write are the supporting characters that are only on the page. Okay. So, you know, you'll have characters that have not had, um, you know, anything in the way of, uh, in, in some of these shared universes, you'll have officers on the ship or whatever that have not had uh, a speaking role anywhere uh, okay. in, 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 in a TV show or a movie or a video game. But even that is beginning to change. I mean, I mean, Ray Sloan, who I created for, um, you know, New Dawn, and, and I've written her again in like three, four other different things, including the, uh, from a certain point of view, book for Empire Strikes Back that just came out. Um, you know, she's now a character in Star Wars Squadrons. So okay, sure. you could actually, you know, uh, and presumably they're going from my version of her to come up with what she sounds like. Uh, and and <laughs> so anybody who's writing that character in the future has something else to go from. Right. Very cool. Yeah, that, that's But that awesome. is something that Star Wars has been doing so uh, so well for years is that, and, and we've talked about it on this podcast before, any character who's been for the merest moment on screen probably has a Wikipedia page. Oh right? yeah. Because it happens Star Wars, immediately. That Star Wars immediately. fans, they're, they're so, they're so good about just, this is part of our, our legacy now. So when I wrote, uh, when I wrote the first, one of the first two issues of Knights of the Old Republic, uh, I did a fake news page in the back, a holo feed news page. And I hid the names of two of my high school friends in there uh, as, as, as criminals, as criminals. Uh, and, and then I, uh, I, I get on Wikipedia and I realize they both have pages that night. Oh, that's awesome. And I realize cool. I can't do this ever again. That's it. <laughs> my, my friends are going to kill me. That's yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, they're, they, they belong to, they belong to Lucasfilm and yeah, now, now, Disney. That's now, right. now their name them. is not their own anymore. <laughs> can't do that. Yeah. Well, I, I, I had scrambled up the letters and everything. <laughs> it, it, it's always uncomfortable when somebody else comes along and kills a character you based on somebody. Oh, that's so funny. You're like, that was my friend in high school. You How just killed you? him. <laughs> uh, now, Star Wars obviously isn't all you write for. We've talked a little bit about uh, your Star Trek uh, uh, writing as well. Uh, I'm a huge a Song of Ice and Fire fan. It's my maybe my second biggest uh, nerddom fan uh, sort of thing aside from Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, I just started reading... Uh, the House of the Worms series that mm -hmm. that I guess you had a big hand in, and I got to no, I, I went, no, that's not me. No, no, that wasn't you. Nope, uh -oh. might be the other John J. Miller. Yeah, <laughs> is that another John J. Miller? Yeah, well, I told you there was. Yeah, see, now I got I got to look into that. Man, oh no, I, I, I could have swore it was the same John Jackson not Miller me. here. Oh, look uh, at that. See, I a little more. We're, we're giving you credit for things you didn't even do at this point. That's okay. No. Yeah, that's me, man. Put that on my. No, no I haven't, haven't, haven't read it. <laughs> well, let me tell you, you got to check it out because it's wild stuff, man. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. You know, sometimes these databases uh, get you know messed up as well. So it's. Uh, yeah, it is, but it I, is. I, I think. I think. I think I heard from an actor that like IMDb's error rate is like 10 percent, uh, or some some wow. number like that. Some number sure. like that. Where there's always something in there that people didn't do, or they just cross the wires because there's so many people with the same name. Yeah, that's it. Man. That's well, you know, Miller's a very rare last oh, yeah. name. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, one last question: uh, What sort of pressure uh, Grogtags, a person named Grogtags, is actually 
uh, a website. But anyway, uh, on Instagram, he wants to know what sort of pressure you're under while writing Kenobi, knowing how, and he puts it in with like a lot of dots around the protective the Star Wars fan base is. Did you feel like you didn't want to offend the Star Wars fan base? Because Star Wars fans, I don't know if you know this or not, but they really don't like it unless it's their idea. And since well, they didn't write it, they don't like it. So, Well, you know, uh, they're not in charge. Uh, <laughs> right. Well, no, I mean, I mean right. this, this is the thing that people have to... When I was, uh, when I was uh, just starting out, uh, I... I uh, went to visit the, the week before Knights of the Old Republic one came out. I, I had a business trip in uh, in uh, Phoenix, and so I went to visit uh, Mike Stackpole, who wrote the uh, X Wing novels and many other things. And one of the things that he told me was, he said, "Don't surrender canon. Don't surrender the fact that you're hired to write this. Right. That you've been chosen to write this." And that the decisions are yours. Nice, right? yes. Um, you know, this is this is not a, a a a shared adventure that everybody gets to pick a direction on. Sure. <laughs> okay. uh, this is this is not like Mass Effect, where people can pick your own ending and we'll right. continue to cater to you. Um, it, in the end, you know, someone is telling this story, and you may not like the directions that you go in or that somebody takes you in. And that's why there's other people who write things and you can sure. support them instead. But, uh, you know, you have to actually sort of, you know, uh, 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 you know, give the creator, uh, you know, room to actually do what they're trying to do. Sure. Uh, and whether it was worth doing or not is another whole question. How well they did it is another whole question. Uh, and those are all fair game. Okay. Uh, whether it should have been done, we talk about the you know story directions that other movies should not have gone in. Right. Uh, but I'm not saying those movies shouldn't have existed or that nobody should have written those things. Um, it, you know, it's it's uh, you know it, it's 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 something where um, you know certainly in the internet era, there's a lot more feedback coming in and. You know, we are a lot more accessible to people. And, uh, you know, sometimes we actually draw upon, you know, the popular you know, ideas of things. Make sure this character says this thing in that book or something like that. Right. Yeah, it's hard to escape that. Okay. Uh, but, uh, but, I mean, look, for example, with Kenobi, if I was to write the book that people wanted for the Kenobi novel, the, the book they thought they wanted... They thought they wanted, uh, or I'm pretty sure they thought they wanted uh, something where Obi-Wan goes gallivanting everywhere, fighting the Sith who've come to catch sure. you know, young sure. Luke. Right, right. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like, um, you know, it, it, people tend to want to have uh, every story have, you know, one one Jedi, one Sith Lord, one planet-destroying thing, right. one whatever. <laughs> and my response to that is there's already a book series for that. It's called Star Wars Mad Libs. Um, <laughs> my job is, as a writer is to take the, you know, the sandbox, take the pieces, take the toys, and tell you a story that feels like Star Wars or feels like Star Trek or feels like whatever it is. But... Um, 
you don't give people what they want. You give people what they want and don't know yet. Okay. They want like it. Yeah. Uh, you, you, uh, you know, the, the Kenobi novel has no lightsaber fights. No. It has no space battles. Right. It takes place entirely on Tatooine. Yep. Because I happen to believe, you know, my preference, and, and you know, we're, I'm not even going to get into TV shows or movies or anything else. You know, the way that I see his exile is exile. Sure. He's, right. he's yeah. there. He's um, there. That's the approach that I took in that book. That does not mean that somebody else cannot take a different approach later. The right. same way that, you know, uh, you know, people are not locked into the same version of Batman just because Frank Miller wrote it a certain way one time. Right, right. right. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, and, and so I, I uh, you know, if you look at, um, you know, the reviews for anything, people are always comparing something against the, the movie or the show or the book that they wanted to see or they expected to see. And I think, the ones that people really embrace are the ones that surprise them. Yeah. The well, ones that actually went someplace they didn't expect and they liked it. Yeah. Well, and that's the way I felt when I read Kenobi when it first came out. I, I love the fact that, like you said, there were no lightsabers. Like he wasn't shown off. He's not like, look, I'm a Jedi. He was like, I'm just this guy yeah. and I'm just trying to help this town that's in, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's not what it's, Jedi heroics are not what the book is about. The book is about stopping being a Jedi. Right. The book is about, I failed. I failed everyone. The only way that I can have success is to stop being who I was mm -hmm. and, and to try to come to terms with my new limitations. Right. Uh, to try to, you know, if, if I'm going to do something heroic, it won't be as Superman. It's going to be as Clark Kent. Yeah. And there is yeah. a lot of action in that book. Oh, yeah. It's oh, just, yeah. you know, he has to finesse everything. Uh huh. Sure. And that's what, was... that's the way it's going to be from, yeah. from, and, and this is him coming to terms with it. Yeah. Because, um, you know, he's, he's shell shocked. Mm -hmm. He's lost everybody. He's lost everything. He thinks his best friend is dead and he thinks he killed him. Right. And, uh, oh, yeah. So this is a book about somebody in pain. Mm -hmm. Another part of it, and and this is this is a part a part of the approach, is uh, we're only in Obi Wan's you know head for like maybe eight percent of the book, right? Almost all of it is through the eyes of other people, mm -hmm. and that was a decision that I had made back with the graphic novel. You know, it was going to be years and years earlier. I wanted it to be, you know, how other people saw him, because you, the reader, you already know everything. Right, you know where he's been, yeah. you know where he's going, you know how it ends. Yeah, up. you don't, you don't need to be over his shoulder, you know, thinking, well, uh, this relates to, you know, <laughs> those stormtroopers over there. Are they, you know, the, that armor looks a lot like the clone trooper? What is that? Who are they? Right. Well, we have that moment where he sees troopers in the book, and he's going like, but it's not directly through his eyes. It's right. We we realize you know he's at he's at dinner and he's like oh really and <laughs> who who are they who are they uh, right yeah. yeah and and you know it's I think it's I think it's uh, I thought it was more challenging uh, to write it that way and I also think it's it's uh, 
Well, and a lot of people have said, I mean, that it it, it, it was rewarding to try to do it that way. So, yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. I, I loved it when I read it, you know, many years ago. It was so cool. Yeah, you just uh, have it, to let go of how you wanted the book to be. Yeah. And and that's kind of the way to go with any TV show, any movie, any any anything. I wish, uh, I wish more Star Wars fans would have that outlook on everything, honestly, because, yeah, you we love this medium. We love this these stories. But, like, you know, the story doesn't belong to us. It belongs to well, everyone involved in the process. Well, but it, 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 I can understand it. And, sure. and we're, in a, we're in a culture where everything is consumer-oriented in terms of giving us choice. Right. You know, it, it, we talked about comic book variant covers. You can get a you, – you could – for your $5, you can get just about any cover you prefer right. on a comic book. You can, you can get it your way uh, right. as, if, as if they only made it that way just for you. Uh, and and so many times, particularly it, with gaming, um, it's all about customizing the story for you. And oh yeah. And in fact, going back to Mass Effect, uh, you know, I I remember thinking this is this is both really powerful and also really really dicey for trying to tell a story, because you know the characters that you let die in Mass Effect One do not live in Mass Effect Two. When you play that game, and we were not we were not allowed to use any of them in the comics, uh, okay. <laughs> and 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 then the characters that die in Mass Effect Two, when you play Mass Effect Three, they're still dead. And what ended up happening is, you know, when Mass Effect came to a conclusion uh, at the end of that trilogy, they needed to have one ending for everybody, and that was kind of shocking for a lot of people. Yeah, and you know, it it it. It resulted in um, internet. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need to say, right? <laughs> At a certain point, it was just it became but, the internet. <laughs> but I mean, if you're if you're going to have a a, a if you're going to have a narrative that you're going to build on, uh, you got to at some point, uh, you know, somebody has to be in control of it. Yeah. Um, somebody has to say, as Lucasfilm finally did, Revan is a male. Right. Uh, the exile is female. Right. Uh, and, and these are their histories. These are their everything. And, um, you know, it's it's uh, you know, it's 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 all it's very hard to try to tiptoe around these other things. I wrote an entire graphic novel, as I said, where, you know, uh, Commander Shepard is in a casket. <laughs> because we could not show him or her. Sure. Uh, <laughs> wow. That's great, man. Uh, well, you know, it, you, you've been talking to us for a little over an hour now. It, it's been such a blast. We do have, uh, I guess, what, this Fast Five that you want fast to Fast Five. Ever? I'll, I'll, do, I'll do them faster than I've been doing everything else. <laughs> okay. So you have one minute to answer all five of these questions. Mm -hmm. They're very, very, very fluff questions. It's supposed so to be just okay. stuff that pops right yeah, into your head. Yeah, pops right in your head right away. All right, so it's all about Star Wars. We know you've written Star Trek and all those other ones as well. So just about Star Wars. Ready? Favorite character? Uh, Lando. Okay. Lando. Nice. Good answer. All right. Least favorite? Oh, gosh. That's going to be a tough one. Uh, 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 oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know. That. See, if I say Jar Jar, that's just what everybody <laughs> I was going to say Jar Jar is the easy go-to. No, <laughs> you know, I've never had to write Jar Jar, but, uh, so I might feel different. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we'll leave that one blank for now. Uh, favorite movie, favorite one of the Star Wars movies, of uh, any uh, of them. 
Empire. Uh, oh, great choice. Yes, yes. Least favorite. I don't do that. Oh, okay, that's good. Fair. That's you're, fair. You're under contract. I understand. Yeah, I know. I just, I just, I just know how that. I just know how it works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I speak no evil. I say the king is good and just. You say, okay. Uh, you say what? You say one thing today, tomorrow on on Facebook uh, yeah. and Instagram. Yeah, it's all out there. Favorite. Yeah. Okay. Well, then you'll like this one. This is an easy one. You're having dinner with George Lucas. You ask him one question, not about Star Wars. What do you ask George Lucas? Uh, I'd, probably, uh, I'd, I'd probably ask about American Graffiti and the filming of it. Nice. Right. Yes, great yeah. one. That was such right. a good movie Just as well. Just a filmmaking question on, yeah. on one, of the, one of his originals and one of his classics. I love oh, yeah. it. Uh, I, I, I absolutely and, and, and probably something about you know, the licensing decisions because, again, you know, he, by deciding to actually control everything himself, uh, I'm, I'd be interested if he learned anything from Charles Schultz because okay. that's what because that's what Schultz did with uh, with Peanuts. Okay, he said he said, look, uh, I, I get I get control and approval of everything that gets done sure. with these characters, uh, and so you know there wouldn't be anything that he was going to be embarrassed by. Right, uh, nice. and and I think that that's a that's a big quality control thing that uh, you know I don't think had really been done before. Yeah, and, uh, and I think you know Lucas kind of does that. Awesome. Wow. Well, John, it's been great. Yeah, man, great having you. One last time, go ahead and plug away okay. your Twitter, yeah, your Instagram. About what, do you, what do you have coming up? You, you well, talked about the omnibus. Like, well, I mentioned the about. omnibus. Uh, the Picard novel is out uh, in uh, at the end of August or middle of August. Um, I uh, you can find me on farawaypress.com where I've got behind the scenes notes on almost all of my novels and comics. Uh, things like Kenobi, there's a link to maps of the world and uh, you know audio clips uh, of various actors reading things from it. Uh, same for New Dawn. Uh, I also, um, on Facebook, I'm John Jackson Miller. Instagram, John Jackson Miller. Twitter, I'm JJM Faraway. Uh, my comics history site is uh, Comicron, C-O-M-I-C-H-R-O-N.com. It's got its own Twitter, Comicron, and uh, Patreon, uh, Comicron. Uh, and uh, then also, uh, it's coming up, uh, I, my first show back will be uh, another Galaxy Con. It'll be uh, Galaxy Con uh, uh, Raleigh. So Raleigh, uh, okay. back to the East Coast, that will be at the end of the month. Uh, and uh, the rest of my show schedule is kind of still coming together. Awesome. Uh, I do have one last thing I forgot. Yeah. You and Nick, you and Nick went to the same college. Well, That's for, right. You went to LSU. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, that was grad school. That was the that was Me the. Too. Uh, I I I got there. Um, I, I I basically, <laughs> it was kind of my safety school because uh, I I I was gonna go uh, immediately off to work, and I instead uh, I I I tested. I took I, I just took the graduate records exam for for the heck of it. And it turned out that I, I scored really well, and LSU had a lot of oil money right at that time, or Louisiana did. That's right. And so they said, would you like to come here for four years full ride? And I'm like, get a doctorate. And I'm like, that's great. Problem is I got down there and the because uh, I was going to do Soviet studies, and uh, the, the professor, uh, my major professor, had flown the coop. So, oh, great. so I, I, I was doing my own thing for a year. Uh, uh, went off to Russian immersion camp at, at Indiana in preparation for going off and doing my dissertation. Uh, on the drive back to Baton Rouge, literally, I'm listening to the radio and I hear about the coup in the Soviet Union. 
and <laughs> and everything that I studied. I, I I like to joke that the Soviet Union collapsed on my dissertation, uh, <laughs> oh, no. and I just said, okay, you know what? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the master's degree and go. I also was spending an inordinate amount of time going to the off-track betting casino or, or <laughs> the off-track betting place. Uh, sure. Nice. I, I lived in Baton Rouge for three years. I get him. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, and I and I and I saw I saw your uh, your governor uh, uh, Edwin Edwards just passed away like two days ago. That's right. Yeah. And uh, uh, Edwin used to actually we would see the limo coming in because he was dating a sorority girl at the time. Oh, uh, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, that was it was it was, yeah. uh, it was an interesting place. Uh, yeah, yeah I, did, I did my doctorate at LSU, and I can 100% concur with all of that, man. It is. Oh, what what did you get yours in? Music. I'm a musician. Oh, okay. Yeah. No. No. I, 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 I had a, I had a, a little uh, a hovel up in the uh, third floor of Stubbs Hall, where right. uh, <laughs> and on, uh, no air conditioning, no anything. And, uh, you got a chimes on campus? Uh, I, we, I lived at the chimes. Oh uh, yeah. I, uh, the, the, we, we, we used to joke that the chimes was like the United Nations of the university because. Hundred percent. Uh, because you know everybody would go there. It would be professors hanging out with the students, hanging oh, yeah. out with the athletes, hanging out with everything. And the, the best, the coolest thing about LSU. I'm sorry for diverting into it. No. Coolest thing about it, I didn't realize, but the two years I was there, and I did realize it. The two years I was there were the two years that Shaquille O'Neal was there. Oh yes, and, oh, wow. Okay. And, and so uh, and so I was seeing uh, him uh, on campus a lot. Uh, he'd be in the McDonald's ordering like you know three sure. Big Macs or whatever, and and we would go to the games, and the the uh, it was just amazing. Yeah, and I, I, I always like to bring people down to the PMAC because there's a life size statue of Shaq there. There and is, I, and we get there, and I tell them that, and they're like, "That's not life size." I'm like, "Yes, it is. This <laughs> uh, is how big Shaq is." No, <laughs> uh, I was uh, the very first game we saw him. It was a uh, it was just one of those preseason warmups against Australia. Okay. And, and the oh, Australian no. national team. And he slams and hangs on the rim for a minute, and the entire assembly goes, <laughs> collapses to the floor, 45 minutes while they wheel in a new backboard. A new <laughs> he hadn't played his first official game yet. And, and he's already breaking the play. And we're looking around like, he didn't shatter it. He broke it just the structure. The hydraulics and everything. The hydraulics, he broke the hydraulics. <laughs> yeah, and we're like, okay, wow. He's a big man for sure. Yeah, I, 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 what I should have done is I should have said, hey, I, I I, do comics. I can help you with this whole steel thing that you're going to do in a few years. <laughs> That's right. But, I can, I can write of, a much better one for you. Sort yeah. of gone into overtime there, but yes, that was uh, that was my, my brush with the athletic greatness. There, so. That's awesome. Well, awesome. John, John Jackson Miller, man, it has been such a absolute pleasure to have you on and talk about your body of work, talk about your uh, your Star Wars, your Star Trek, all the different stuff you've done, even a couple things you didn't do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but but thank you so much for joining us. Honestly, we were going to talk a little Clone Wars or, or a little Bad Batch, but I think we can we can lump that into our next our next show. Honestly, because this has been yeah this has been just an awesome time, and I, it's been an awesome time just checking out. Please check him out, Faraway Press. Check him out on Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, check him out on his on his website. Check out uh, you got the Omnibus coming out for uh, for the Knights of the Old Republic series coming out. We've got Picard. A lot of new stuff coming out by John Jackson Miller, and you got to check it out. He's a great guy. 
great author, and we've had a great time talking to you, John. Thank well, you thanks, so guys, much and uh, may the force live long and prosper. Yes, indeed. <laughs> That's it. Absolutely. John go, Jackson Miller with us. Thank you so much, John. <laughs>